Hello and welcome to the Earthside Echo, your source for all the latest dispatches from Earthside. In this episode, we re-enter the courtroom where Captain Samantha Thrace is on trial for treason. In our last episode, we heard tales of Thrace's exploits on the high seas aboard an Abyssinian destroyer. In part two of Trial by Fire, we hear Thrace's own testimony from her service beneath the city of London. But first, we return to the courtroom. Courtroom The courtroom was silent as Cass's testimony came to an end, save for the tapping of the defence counsel's foot as he nervously bounced his leg. The prosecutor cast a meaningful glance toward the magistrate. Despite being called as a character witness for the defence... Miss Okoye's testimony has only reinforced the prosecution's claims. Our case claims that Captain Thrace showed cowardice and incompetence in the face of the enemy, which resulted in the death of soldiers of the King's Empire. Miss Okoye's story confirms that she caused similar issues in Abyssinia as well. How so? Kassa asked, frowning in confusion. You admit she ran from the battle and left you to fight it. When she returned, it was only after cavorting with these pirates. Captain Thrace boarded an enemy ship and single-handedly took command of it. Then, when she could have fled to safety, she returned to rescue me and my men. Cassa flashed a supportive smile in Thrace's direction. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Ah, about that, the prosecutor replied. Is the court to believe that she, what, killed an entire ship of pirates, politely asked them to turn around? Cassa shrugged. How she did it is not my concern. Ah, but it is my concern. You mentioned that you suspected the pirates might have been guild privateers. Captain Thrace is a high-ranking guild officer. Don't you think it's possible that they obeyed her commands because she was the one directing them? Another shrug. That is still not my concern. It is well known that Captain Thrace works for the guild. The guild is not on trial. The guild is most certainly on trial, the prosecutor roared, pointing an accusing finger at Thrace. They seek to divide us. They plot against us. They send pirates to your shores and spies to your cities under the guise of ambassadors. Even their own men can't rely on them. You said yourself that you saw Captain Thrace slaughter the privateers, guild men, her men. Cassa leaned forward, her eyes narrowed. I will say this once more. And only once more. Captain Thrace saved my life and the lives of my crew from a foe worse than the Guild. Whatever inner politics force the different elements of the Guild into conflict with each other is not something I understand, nor is it something I wish to. Thanks to Captain Thrace, I survived to report the first sighting of the hordes of the coast of Abyssinia. The prosecutor fell silent for a moment. My apology for any offence. Your skills are well known and respected here, Miss Okoye. No further questions. Defence counsel? The magistrate prompted. Oh! The man next to Thrace shuffled some papers on his desk, looked down at them furtively, and then finally spoke up. No questions? Thrace rolled her eyes. Very well! The magistrate said. Thank you for your time, Colonel Okoye. 
You are dismissed. Defence, you may send for the next witness. Cassa drummed her fingers on the bench. I found the paperwork required to attend this trial very inconvenient, almost as if someone didn't want me to testify. Now, only one of you is going to ask questions? Cassa stood up to leave the courtroom. I have to say, I'll be happy to be headed back to Abyssinia in the morning. At least we know what justice looks like back home. Cassa gave a small nod to Thrace as she passed. The defence attorney pulled at his collar and stood. No further witnesses, Your Honour. Thrace cleared her throat. With all due respect, if my counsel does not see fit to defend me, I wish to take the stand myself. The magistrate glared at her. Very well. He gestured towards the simple chair that served as the witness stand and returned to his seat, allowing Thrace's defence attorney to accompany her to the front of the room. Once she was settled, her attorney fidgeted awkwardly with the law book he clutched in his hands. Just tell your story, Captain. Thrace cast the man an annoyed look, but obeyed. Based on the testimony of Captain Thrace. The station at Mill Hill East stank of sweat and gunpowder. Maps of the London underground hung from every wall. Some were unmarked and in their original state, while others had been crudely altered in pen. A circle with two lines to mark a nest. Double lines to indicate a tunnel burrowed by the enemy. Large areas crossed out that had been completely submerged. The occasional bloodstain marking the sacrifice of the man who limped back to base from the deep and the dark, risking everything for the information he carried. A large wooden table dominated the centre of the station. On it was a model of the underground, constructed as an amalgamation of the maps individual patrols brought back each day. Thrace peered at the table, hands clasped behind her back. Next to her, a grizzled old man in a King's Empire uniform sporting Lieutenant Colonel's marks puffed on a cigar. Around them, the room bustled with the activity of a field office. Some soldiers ran back and forth with stacks of paper, while others listened for news over the radio. It's getting harder and harder to keep the bloody thing up to date, the lieutenant colonel complained. The first few weeks were easy. The enemy took control of the tubes after the Battle of London, and I don't think the slithery buggers quite knew what to do with them, so there wasn't much change. He took another puff of his cigar. Or maybe we hadn't yet learned what to look for. Either way, they learn to dig, and they learn fast. We've tracked the newer tunnels they've made the best we can, and we've made decent progress on clearing our own lines. The northern line is totally clear, you can see it here. He gestured to a black line running through the model. We can even get electric train cars through it to position our troops. Today's goal is mapping the Piccadilly line in order to prepare for a full-force excursion that will clear the tunnel completely. That will give us easier access to the eastern tunnels, where we're getting a lot of reports on activity. Thrace rubbed her chin. The tunnels are a closed system. I suppose you've tried gassing them. The subway is too large to make that practical. The lieutenant colonel tapped the ash from the end of his cigar. Even if it wasn't, we figured that it would just seep up into the streets. No, Thrace said with a far-off look. That sort of gas doesn't rise. It sinks, coats everything like a blanket. Stephen suppressed a shudder. Well, glad we don't need to bother with the stuff now. Your unit will join up with Major Price and his tunnel rats and take this line to the centre of the city. 
He gestured to a point on the map. From there, you'll have to proceed with extra caution. Advance east and try to get that portion of the Piccadilly line mapped for us. The colonel glanced over his shoulder. Major Price, he called. A reedy man with greasy black hair and a scruffy beard glanced up from one of the bloody maps on the wall and sauntered over. He eyed Thrace up and down and snorted. I told you, Lieutenant Colonel, me and my boys don't need any guild help. Well, you're going to get it anyway, Stevens puffed on his cigar. We need all the help we can get down here. Captain Thrace comes very highly recommended. Good for her, Price grumbled, but I wasn't joking. The Guild has no love for our king and country, and we all know their elbows deep in Malifaux in the breach. Who's to say they didn't drop those monsters onto us? The lieutenant colonel's blue eyes took on an icy sheen. I've warned you about that sort of conspiracy talk, Price. You're a good man, and you've done good work, but... Don't worry about it, Stevens. Thrace cut him off with a smile. I think Major Price and myself will get on just fine. It's always good to have an optimist in the foxhole with you. Optimist? Stevens raised an eyebrow. Thrace turned her gaze towards Price. Conspiracy is a realm of optimists. If there is a conspiracy, the world has an order to it. A conspiracy is a human plan hatched from a human mind. No matter how bad things may get, at least everything is going according to a plan, even if it's a horrifying one. If the Guild opened a breach over London, it was just another weapon of war. But the other option? Thrace drummed her fingers on the table. The other option is that the sky caught fire. The Burning Man appeared, and with him came insanity and chaos. Gibbering things from forgotten nightmares poured onto one of mankind's greatest cities and almost levelled it. And all of this happened for absolutely no reason. There was no plan, no order to it. Just claws and fangs and death and pain. There was no way to see it coming, and nothing anyone could have done to stop it. With every word, Thrace drew closer to Price, until her eyes were inches from his. If there is no conspiracy then this can happen anywhere, at any time, and for the most terrifying reason imaginable. None at all. Major Price turned away from her gaze. Still seems a coincidence, all I'm saying. Bad things happen. Thrace held out her hand. I'll be the first to admit, most guild people are colossal jackasses. I'm not much of an exception. Can you work with me? Price hesitated, but took it. He nodded to the map he had been looking at before he was called over. See the blood on that map? Thrace nodded. That blood belongs to a friend of mine. He spilled it, saving my life. And he didn't die so that I could go down and get betrayed in the dark by some guild lackey. Price gave his commander a long look and sighed. But if you kill those fish eyes, you're good in my book. Thrace smiled. I'll have your back. You have my word. Within the hour, they were marching down a rail line headed south. Dim electric lights lit the tunnel. Many of them flickered as they passed. The musty air of the underground whistled in their ears, and the constant sound of dripping water put everyone on edge. Many of these tunnels had been flooded very recently. Still trust me so little that you only wanted five of my men? Thrace gestured to the men and women in guild uniforms who followed them. Price shrugged. Only brought ten of mine. More men don't do you much good in the tunnels. We can only fit a few men side by side at the most. More men is just more bodies to trample if you have to turn tail and run. Thrace snorted. I can see why they call you the tunnel rats. Price spared a toothy grin. 
They used their best troops to clear the city, opened up the military prisons, gave us pardons, and forced us to start clearing the tunnels. Now the tunnels are where all the fighting is, and they need us. If you control the underground, you can quickly move men and supplies to any portion of the city. It's an important thing for us to take back. And just as important, we don't let them keep it. So long as they have the tunnels, we can never tell where they'll turn up. Price sniffed. They called us rats at first as an insult. But rats are survivors. Rats sense danger. Rats make it out. You always lose someone, Thrace said, looking out into the darkness. Price nodded. No help in that. He hefted a lantern and pointed down a long, dark passage. We're here. That's the Piccadilly line heading east. The tunnel ahead was pitch black. As she waited for her men to prepare, a heavy wind blew down the tunnel from ahead of them. The air was rancid, like the breath of some great slumbering beast. The tunnel rats took the lead, forming shoulder-to-shoulder rows of three men, with Price in the back. The men in front carried blast shields and sword-down shotguns. The men in back sported short rifles. The last row carried hooded lanterns. Price noticed her looking at the modified weapons. Need to be able to manoeuvre down here, and not much need for accuracy. Just aim down the tunnel and blast away. Watch your head, though. Thrace looked up. Seems tall enough to walk down here comfortably. These tubes were built for a train. No. Price wearily shook his head. Not what I meant. They like to cling to the ceiling and drop on you. Thrace eyed the dark ceiling with new suspicion. She looked back to her men, whose red uniforms were muted in the dim light of the tunnel, and their standard-issue rifles and peacebringer pistols were at the ready. Thrace checked her armament of pistol, axe and flares. They advanced slowly, cautiously. Every step brought them deeper into the yearning dark. The train track had been torn away, leaving twisted shards of metal sticking up from the floor at odd angles like metal claws, waiting to embrace anyone unfortunate enough to fall in this dismal place. The ground was wet and slippery underfoot, but aside from their wet boots smacking the metal floor, the sound of soft, dripping water echoing around them was the only other thing that met their ears. They'll be on us soon, Price whispered. They can always see us coming before we see them, but we've got range on our side. He held up a hand to stop the advance and squinted into the darkness. His eyes widened and he swore as he reached for a flare. Shield your eyes! Thrace barely had time to squeeze her eyes shut before the intense light of the magnesium flare pierced the darkness, turning her vision red through her eyelids. When she opened them again, it took her vision a moment to adjust. The flare caused the sides of the tunnel up ahead to appear as if they were an intense jet black and shadows danced and squirmed on the walls. A roar filled the tunnel and echoed in Thrace's skull as the soldiers in the front ranks let loose with their shotguns. The darkness clinging to the tunnel walls let out a piercing shriek as it was bombarded by shells. Thrace rapidly blinked her eyes and drew her pistol. The shadows on the sides of the tunnel weren't shadows at all, but creatures clutching the walls. Their claws dug deep into the stone wall as they skittered towards the men in front, but a few dropped down to the ground and broke into a sprint. Another volley of fire tore through the things. Appendages exploded into clouds of red mist as blackened bodies fell to the floor. Thrace took aim with her peacebringer and put a bullet into the head of one of the horrors that leapt for the front line. Its head exploded like an overripe grapefruit, but its body hobbled onward. One of the men in front raised his shield and the headless creatures bounced off it before falling to the ground. It was impaled on some of the torn railroad ties, 
but its clawed arms kept spasming outward, forcing the soldiers in front to back away from it. One of the scouts in the second row lowered his rifle and put another shot into its belly, stilling the thrashing. Two more volleys of fire brought down the rest of the things. As the light from the flare died away, shadow gently eclipsed the grisly array of dismembered bodies that lay strewn across the tunnel floor. Good work, boys. Price quickly produced a small map from his pocket and marked it. This is deeper than we generally encounter them. Probably a good sign. We're pushing the bastards back. They kept moving, stepping carefully over the twitching bodies and twisted metal. Thrace glanced at the walls. The stones showed deep gouges where the creatures had once dug their talons in to steady themselves. Before long, they came to a hole in the wall to their right. Barely big enough for a man to crawl through, deep gouges around its edges made its origins clear. The creatures had dug it themselves. A thick, musky breeze issued forth from the hole, and Thrace wrinkled her nose. More new tunnels every damn day, Price marked his map. All right, we can't risk fighting them from front and back at the same time. Thrace, do you think you and your men can hold this position while we advance? Thrace nodded. Shouldn't be a problem. Good. We'll keep going until we find another new tunnel, then head back. That should be plenty of mapping for one day. He motioned for two of his men to leave their hooded lanterns behind. Thrace watched as the tunnel rats disappeared into the darkness ahead. She stationed three of her troops with rifles pointed directly at the opening. The other two kept lookout down either direction of the tunnel, just in case something snuck by them. Thrace noted how unwieldy their rifles were in the tight space, and envied the sawn-down shotguns of the tunnel rats. The minutes crawled by as a small group waited in the dark. Thrace heard every shuffle of her men's feet, and every muffled breath as her ears adjusted and picked up what her eyes couldn't. A skittering sound caught her attention, and she held up a hand, signalling her people to be at the ready. The sound stopped, and Thrace glanced around in the dim light of the hooded lanterns, squinting into the waiting darkness. The noise started again. It was a scratching, but it seemed to come from every direction at once. It was as if they were surrounded by it. Captain, the man to her left started to say. Thrace held up a hand and cut him off. She strained, trying to ascertain the source of the noise. All right, fall back. The order was cut off as the walls around them exploded, sending shards of stone flying in all directions. Thrace twisted her arm around to shield her face. As she lowered it, she saw two towering creatures emerge from new holes in the wall, each at least twice as tall as a man. They had the bodies of centipedes, as well as scythe-like appendages that were already slicing downwards, cleanly cleaving one of her surprised subordinates in half. With startled cries, the remaining guild troops raised their rifles and fired wildly into the monsters. One of the creatures skittered sideways into the lanterns, knocking them over and extinguishing the flames within. Darkness fell like a curtain, only to be parted with frantic rifle fire. Each shot illuminated the tunnel with piercing light. Thrace saw the creatures moving in flashes. Two of her men were face down in pools of red, then three. Then one of the things was right in front of her, a clawed limb raised in the air. Thrace already had her axe ready, and she swung it upwards into the darkness, putting all of her considerable might into the two-handed swing. She felt the axe cut cleanly into the creature. A metallic shriek filled the air, and Thrace heaved to her side, throwing the creature's weight to the ground. She drew her pistol and blindly fired three snapshots into the darkness, hoping to put the centipede thing down. Each explosion of her pistol illuminated the monster as it squirmed on the ground, dark ichor dripping from its carapace. For a moment, 
She stood frozen in the blackness. She listened for any noise, but it was as silent and dark as a grave. She held her pistol out in front of her. The axe was hanging ready at her side. Every muscle in her body was a taut cord, waiting to strike at the second creature. After what seemed an eternity, Thrace slowly used her axe hand to draw one of the flares from her pocket. She lowered her defence long enough to twist it open and toss it onto the ground in front of her. As light bathed the tunnel, she whipped her head from side to side, trying to predict where the monster would strike. The strike never came. She was alone with the bodies. The five guild infantry who had accompanied her lay slaughtered. Thrace couldn't tell which parts had belonged to whom, and she thought it best not to dwell on that question. The creature she had killed lay in a pool of spreading ichor, motionless. Two new holes had been bored in the walls, one in front of Thrace, the other behind. As Thrace examined the scene in the light of the flare, she noticed a thin trail of dark ichor heading down the tunnel Price and his tunnel rats had followed. Thrace cursed under her breath as she picked up one of the hooded lanterns, relit the flame, and gave chase. The shots echoing down the tunnel let Thrace know that she was too late. It didn't take her long to find the carnage. The tunnel rats put up more of a fight than her men, but they hadn't been able to handle enemies attacking them from both sides. Pieces of another centipede-like creature lay strewn about, blown into still-twitching chunks by shotgun blasts. Several smaller creatures, similar to the ones they had encountered earlier, littered the ground ahead of the men. In between, human bodies lay among the torn steel of the shattered train tracks, spilling their lifeblood onto the ground. Thrace heard a faint groan coming from the tunnel up ahead. Price's body was not among those on the ground. Price? She hissed into the darkness. Cautiously, she inched forward, pistol in one hand and lantern in the other. Price! Her voice was a murmur in the darkness. Her gaze was so intent on the darkness around her that she almost impaled her foot upon an upturned shard of metal jutting up from the destroyed rail line. Eventually, she came to another hole that had been crudely carved in the side of the tunnel. A dull, flickering light emanated from it, as well as groans from what she thought might be a wounded price. She was well past any of the markings she had seen on the maps back in the Mill Hill East Station. As she listened, the groans took on a rhythm. The air itself seemed to pulse. It was a call to something ancient, something deep. Thrace felt it in her bones. It was a song offered up to gods, long forgotten. It echoed through her, the groaning voices mingling and twining until Thrace heard the words spoken by torn throats. She who never sleeps, she who never dies, ever singing, ever dancing, rise, Meridian, rise. Thrace snuffed her lantern and set it aside as she crept into the flickering tunnel, axe and peacebringer drawn. The opening led into a damp basement that had the misfortune of being adjacent to the underground. The room was small and lit by a few flickering candles. In the centre of the room was a stone block that must have been dragged in from somewhere far beneath the subway system. An obscene idol rested atop the stone block, making it a crude altar. Around the idol, a collection of people lay prostrate, their bodies pressed against the floor and their emaciated arms outstretched, reaching for the idol. There were strange protrusions coming from their necks, almost like veins, and they snaked back toward the darkness in the room. The people were chanting. Their voices were soft and broken, as if they had been reciting this incantation for days without water or sleep. Not one of them registered her presence. Not one of them glanced her direction or raised an arm to praise or stop her. 
Thrace stepped forward and prodded one of the half-starved men that lay on the ground with her boot. As she touched him, the others slowly turned to face her. An animalistic fear crept into their eyes, and their chanting grew faster, becoming a frantic plea for protection. She who never sleeps! A moist popping sound came from a dark recess of the room, and Thrace squinted, trying to see what had caused it, lifting her axe. She who never dies! The tendrils on the ground began to quiver, and the people slowly rose to their feet, their broken bodies barely able to support their weight. Ever singing! Thrace took a step back, as she noticed water seep out of the darkness to slosh around the feet of the delusional chanters. An odd shape gradually emerged from the darkness. It was bulbous and glistening, almost ephemeral in appearance. Thrace immediately thought of a jellyfish. Ever dancing! The first of the chanters reached for her, his long, ragged fingernails raking across her cheek. Goosebumps raced up Thrace as she considered the possibility that these people served the hordes that had invaded London. Rise, Meridian, rise! The strange, quivering creature slid forward along the slick stones, and dozens of thin, gossamer tendrils rose up from its body, weaving through the air toward her. Thrace didn't fully understand what was happening, but knew that these accursed souls were beyond her ability to help. Bringing her axe up, she swung in a wide arc that easily cut two of the frail worshippers in half. She heard, more than saw, the sickening sounds of their innards hitting the wet floor. A few quick shots from her sidearm felled two more. As they died, the remaining chanters rushed forward and wrapped their arms around Thrace, causing her to drop her pistol. Thrace reacted immediately, pushing the wretched people away as she swept her axe around wildly in the hopes of forcing them back. With a scream, she shoved past the frail mob and brought her axe down upon the amorphous creature before her. The axe met almost no resistance as it easily split the vile jellyfish in two. She whipped back around to face the others, only to realise that the survivors were no longer chanting their weird prayer. They had collapsed helplessly in the blood-stained water at her feet and now whispered something entirely different. Kill me! Thrace stood, horrified, as she stared down at the emaciated people at her feet. Blood was seeping out of their eyes and their bodies shook with each laboured breath. She didn't allow them to suffer for long. It was several moments before Thrace snapped back to her senses. She shook her head in an attempt to clear her mind. Her eyes flicked to the strange idol that had become the object of worship a minute before. It was less than a foot tall and made of a stone Thrace had never seen before. A putrid yellow swam through the dull green stone as if the idol had been carved from marble that had taken on the colours of decay. It was the shape of a woman, but her features were all wrong. Half of her face was a mask of rage, the other a serene smile. One leg kicked out and twisted more like a broken metal pipe than a leg, and the other stood tall. She was cloaked in an armour of scales, and much like her face, half of her armour was torn and tattered, the other half pristine. Thrace took a deep breath, and quickly snatched the idol, shoving it into her coat pocket. It was disconcertingly warm to the touch, and the feel of it sent a shudder down her spine. In the back of her mind, she could still hear the words, almost as if they were pulsing with their own heartbeat. She who never sleeps, she who never dies. Stumbling out of the tunnel, Thrace grabbed her discarded lantern and began making her way back the way she came, trying to ignore the scene replaying in her mind. Behind her, a metallic screech echoed from the basement, and rather than remain behind to meet its owner, Thrace broke into a run, 
the light from her lantern casting wild shadows as she thundered down the passage, never looking back. As she passed the corpses of her fallen soldiers, the butt of Price's rifle leapt out of the darkness and caught her in the temple. She collapsed on the ground, and her lantern rolled away from her and extinguished, allowing the darkness to rush in once more. It takes some time getting used to fighting down here. Price's voice echoed through the tunnel. It isn't for everyone. The hell are you doing? Thrace grumbled as she pulled herself along the ground. She felt a sharp pain in her forearm and pressed her hand against it. She could feel warm blood. She couldn't remember getting injured. I knew you was a traitor. I knew the Guild brought those things down on us during the Battle of London. And here you are, the only survivor after you allow them to sneak up on my men. His voice was filled with icy purpose. Allow! Did you see what they did to... Price made a shushing sound. Don't be so loud. I know exactly where you are. I could kill you where you lay whenever I feel like it. If it's so easy, then why not kill me already? Too easy, Price sniffed. Better to put a knife in your leg and leave you to your little friends back there. See how strong your alliance is. See if it's better than the one you pretend to have with us. His feet scuffed on the ground ahead of her. I guess a foreigner like you wouldn't understand national pride. His voice was getting closer. Thrace tried to keep him talking a little longer. I'm not a foreigner. I'm from New South Wales. Last I checked, that's still part of the King's Empire. She could hear the surprise in Price's voice. A little Aussie, are ya? Explains why you ended up a traitor, I suppose. It's in your blood. Thrace slowly crouched and slipped a hand into her pocket. Empires look a little different to the people in the colonies. He snorted dismissively. Growing up down there, you ever hear the guess about why so many people are afraid of snakes and spiders? Just a little closer. No, Thrace replied as she slowly pulled her last flare out of her pocket. They say it's a fear that's rooted deep in us, in our souls. Back when men first walked the earth, snakes and spiders could kill with a quick bite. And that deep fear kept us safe. And you know what? His voice echoed in the dark near Thrace's face. What? I'll get that same feeling when I'm around the monsters down here. No matter how dark it is, no matter how quiet they are, I feel the air on the back of my neck stand on end when they're around. That deep fear keeps me alive and kicking. Maybe that fear is ancient as well. I wonder if you'll feel it. I wonder if the hairs on the back of your neck will stand on end as you blunder around blind just before the final strut. His words turned into a scream as Thrace lit her last flare, blinding him with an explosion of light. She leapt at Price in his moment of distraction and planted a wild kick in his chest. He had almost been on her, his knife poised for a crippling blow to her leg. As he fell, she slammed the hilt of her axe into his temple and he collapsed like a ragdoll. As she gazed down at Price's crumpled form, she heard a metallic screech in the tunnel behind her. She looked out into the darkness, then back to Price. Idiot, she mumbled. She debated leaving him there, but as her thoughts drifted back to the strange room and the people she had put out of their misery, she let out a heavy sigh and lugged him onto her shoulders. Then she headed for the northern line as fast as she could.
That's it for another episode of the Earthside Echo. Join us next time for part three of Trial by Fire. <laughs>